Hello again and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast where we confess with St. John that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts, I'm Thomas Limke. And I'm Pastor Eric Brown. And uh, I I do want to note, at least for this first segment, we have a live studio audience. In a manner of speaking, yes. A very small Uh, life, but all the same. So uh, Thomas is on kiddo duty for the moment, so... So if you hear any random strangeness in the background, don't worry. It's just a kid. So, <laughs> All right. How are you doing today, Thomas? Some people have phobia of kids. I'm doing okay. I'm uh, a little little tired. It's my day off. I went into work this morning to uh, go ahead and make a sale. And so now I'm just resting on my loins, enjoying some time to, to the family, to myself, and hearing the word. I, uh, I finally got back to my normal... Uh, Tuesday thing, got to get some uh, Greek study in with fellow pastors and did chapel for the preschoolers and Bible study this afternoon. It's been a good day. Good Solid. day. So let's, uh, let, let's put the nightcap on it with some good looking in the Gospel of John. All right, sounds good. We are going to be starting up at John 8, verse 39, I believe. But what I'd like you to do, just to get us kind of primed, uh, if you'd start at 38. Sure. Reposing the question. Uh, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. All right. So Jesus going back and forth with folks who had believed in him, but they're griping because, well, we've never been slaves to anyone, blah, 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 blah. We're so awesome because we're just so awesome. That's how we are. And Jesus is taking them down a pay. So, all right, let's dive on it. Okay. 39 then. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your fa- uh, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Okay. Now, note how this is going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Jesus is implying that... Uh, his father is opposed to their father. And they jump to simple physical lineage. I, I think this shows just that, that pride in their own self, in their own history, in their own heritage. So, Thomas, can uh, pride in your own heritage and your own history still be a danger for folks today? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You get those nationalistic tendencies coming out in some cases that cause you know people to blow up with pride or... In other cases, um, maybe a family feud type of situation. There's all kinds of examples. Well, I'm thinking even within the church. Th- this is one where, Ooh, yeah. as a pastor, if you talk to folks at various congregations, quite often you'll run into the, well, my grandfather founded this church, so da da da. <laughs> right. What does that matter, a hill of beans? You're... Your grandpa founded the church, but now you want to do something incredibly stupid and wrong. So I, your grandpa would be really annoyed if you saw what you were doing. <laughs> that. That doesn't add credence. But there can be that that assumption of familial right or attitude, almost this idea that that well, because my family's important, we've I'm going to be really important too, regardless of what you're actually doing. Right. And Jesus is just undercutting this. And they're like, we're not, I like that, we were not bored of sexual immorality. We're, 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 we're 
pure blood. We're 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 true born. We're legitimate. Don't 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 insinuate bad things about us. We're good Jewish boys. <laughs> Would that be a maybe kind of tongue in the cheek reference also to the Samaritans in some way? Oh yes. Okay. Because again, they they were the ones that were well, and that that's actually a very very good observation. They were the ones that were the for lack of a better word, they would have the, they would have been viewed as as the half breeds, the result of of mixed races and mixed marriages, and that's just not proper. Right. Well, and here in about ten verses, we get that being attributed yep. to Jesus. So we'll come right. up to that, I suppose. Yep. All right. Moving on then. Yep. Forty-two. Jesus said to them, "If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me." Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear? Oh, it is because. It's it's a statement. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I want to pause there. And suddenly Jesus ratchets it up and, and is blunt and says, listen, here's the thing. You don't want godly things. You don't want the things of God. You are of your father, the devil. Now, here's one of the things that is neat. And I saw this uh, going through First uh, John for uh, prepping for a Bible study back at uh, uh, out here at the church. Mm-hmm. When it says that he is a murderer from the beginning, it's interesting. Often when we think of of a murderer. We think of a past event. Oh, back in the day, he had killed someone. Mm-hmm. The actual Hebrew here is really neat. It's anthropos, anthropoktonos. It's literally a man killer. So it's not mm. just a, a a past tense thing, but rather it it's not that he did a murder back in the day, and who knows? But but it, it he's a man killer. Sort okay. of like a, if you if you've ever heard like a. a uh, an, a wild animal that gets a taste for blood, it gets referred to as a, a man-eater. Yeah. It's not just that it did something back then, but, oh, that's okay, We're, we've moved past that now. No, it's this is what he is, what he does. It's not just that he murdered in the back then, it, he murders. So, so it's just one of the things I think stands out. It, it's not that Satan killed back then, but he's always seeking to kill. Oh, and, and, and what are you people going to end up doing to me? Would ask Jesus. Oh, yeah, you guys are. You're gonna try to put me out too. Yeah, that's right, kid. You 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 tell him. <laughs> He's <laughs> agreeing heartily. And so you have this giant contrast between, I've come from my father to bring life. You'd rather just keep on killing like your dad. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's a liar and he can't stand the truth. I am the truth. I bring life. You guys are the opposite you're diametrically opposed to this so i like that when he lies he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father of lies we become the things we do as the as the song says now do you notice how just kind of uh the this jesus is escalating things here mm-hmm. he, it's he, he's not beating around the bush what reaction can you reasonably expect these people to have? Well, anger, um, offense, defensiveness, certainly. Mm-hmm. Or, if the law does its work, what will they do? 
repentance ostensibly as well, yeah. And so it, it, it's it's full bore preaching the law, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they don't quite like it. I here start again at forty five. Okay. Uh, uh, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Again, this is just, you, you can't put up with what I'm saying because you're not from God. You, you have no faith. You, are, you, you can't understand this unless the Holy Spirit gives you life and you guys are content to be killers. You're content to be those who like to end life. And so you just simply can't hear anything, we, anything I say. Now, that is blunt. So are they going to defend themselves? Are they going to, to ponder the realities of their own life? Are they going to, to say, I think you're overblowing things, Jesus? No, they take a slightly different tack. <laughs> the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now, pause here. Let's just think about this in terms of the back and forth of this discussion, this argumentation. Jesus is ratcheting up very, he's leveled a, a very harsh accusation that that they love lies and murder and death. And they don't really defend themselves. They don't deny. Mm-hmm. They don't say, Jesus, you're wrong, and here's the proof that we have that we're good. Instead, they just try to de- discredit Jesus. Ah, you must be a Samaritan and demon-possessed. You must be crazy, man. Mm-hmm. That's not a denial. That. In fact, uh, think about it. If uh, if you're if you're talking to someone, and and you go, did you go and do this? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh man, that's crazy talk, man. That that's crazy talk. <laughs> uh, what does that generally mean? The guilty conscience is yeah, guilty conscience is involved. There we go. It means they did it. I so I mean, it, it, if they, it's utter deflection, mm-hmm. and. All right, well, the only thing we can do is try and discredit him. And how do we do it? Well, we'll say he's questioned our birth, so we'll question it even more. And 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 he says that we're attached to, to Satan, so we'll say he's attached to a demon. I mean, it really is kind of just a, a weak, I, almost worse than, I know you are, but what am I? Right, they're trying but, to do tit for tat, and it ends up kind of flopping. <laughs> and it's just sort of, come on, guys. So... So what you have here is this just utter falling flat of of denial. So, all right, how about we go to Jesus' answer? All right. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Now, let's pause here very quickly. This is one of the important things in understanding the scripture. That word keep is trepo, and it does not mean do. Okay. Jesus is not saying, if you do everything I tell you, then you get to live. No. <laughs> he, he, he's not all in a Schwarzenegger and the Terminator saying, come with me if you want to live. This is 
are you going to cling to my word? Are you going to trust in what I have said? That's what the, the, the keep is. Think about this. Um, back in the day, we knew what a keep was. A man's home is his castle and his... In his keep, yeah. Keep. Or a... Uh, or that, that nice little locket that your wife has, the little picture of you, and it's so cute. It's called a keepsake. Mm-hmm. The, the keep is that thing that you cherish, that you cling to. And Jesus is saying, if you cling to my word of life, if you trust in me, if you have faith, you, you, you're not going to taste death. And at that point, they freak out. <laughs> Man, Abraham died. The prophets died. Ah. Well, how can you say no one's going to taste death? In fact, they asked the loaded question in verse 53. Which I will read when I shift my son into my other hand, where he has now taken up root and uh, get you the answer. <laughs> I'll read it. Okay. They said, are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Thomas, is he greater than Abraham? Of course. Abraham? Is he greater than the prophets? Absolutely. So, I mean, they see the truth, but they cannot bear to receive it. They can't take it. They understand what Jesus is asserting, what he's saying here, but they're beating around the bush. Mm -hmm. They don't want to buy it. So, how much time we got till break? About 30 seconds. All right. We'll we'll pause here and we'll get Jesus' answer on the, the next side of the break. But do you see how there's just this great denial coming up? Young young boy, do not get caught up in denial like that. That's not good. <laughs> All right, I've instructed my God child. There you go. All right, well, we'll come back on the other side of the break. And we're back to the Gospel Boldly podcast where we're moving through the end of John 8. And, and we are going to hit some dense sledding here. So I'm going to have Thomas read this uh, kind of slowly. We'll go through it verse by verse because Jesus is just going to lay it all out. All right. So, so 54 to start. Yep. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. Now, just pause right there for a second. Jesus brings up a simple point. If he tries to glorify himself, say, oh, look how awesome I am, ain't nothing going to come out of that. It's just going to be like a, a kid wailing and, and shouting. Just doesn't, doesn't really do anything. <laughs> um, but is there a point where Jesus is glorified? Yes. Think about this. When, 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 even in John's Gospel, when we're talking about the glory, of, the glorification of Jesus, where is that? Where do you see the glory of Christ? The crucifixion. The crucifixion. You guys don't buy it now, but you're going to see my glory when I'm lifted up and draw all the world to myself. And the Father's going to do it, and it's going to be even better when I get raised. I mean, this, this is the, he's pointing to his crucifixion, which is a, a great and awesome thing. And he says, you know what? The guy you claim to be your God is the one who's going to glorify me this way. But you guys aren't really interested in that. Do you want me? I'll, let me take 55. Sure. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. 
again, there's that 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 description of that that wonderful relationship of the Father and the Son. I I know him. I've experienced him. I I I cling to the Word because I am the Word. I mean, that's kind of awesome. But there's that that I I, I pay attention to what the Father wills. Mm-hmm. To what he wants, to what he declares. That's what shapes my life, not the pipe dreams of my own awesomeness, not the pipe dreams of my own devising, not the, oh, look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a such and such, so therefore you need to respect me. So that he, he cuts that all out, and, and man, he's blunt about it. I could say that I haven't seen him, then I'd be a liar like you. Whoa. He is not mincing words there. You want to take 56? Sure. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, Thomas, what is this referring to? Oh, isn't that the big question? There's been so many speculations about specifically what it might be talking about from, you know, when Abraham took Isaac up on Mount Moriah to maybe a little bit of time travel looking Uh, forward. I think he got the first one. I, I... and I, I'm not just leaning that way because I see you sitting with your, your firstborn son whom you love on your lap. <laughs> but when you think about it, you had God commanding Abraham, Isaac is to be sacrificed. And you know what? It's utterly just because what are the wages of sin? Death. Death. Abraham's got no room to complain against God. And what happens? He's ready to to, to do it. And he looks up and there... He is stopped by, by the angel of the Lord, stopped by Jesus. Jesus jumps in, intervenes, go, go do the ram, take, take the ram. I will come later on, and I'll take Isaac's death for him. Mm-hmm. And was Abraham happy at that moment? Heck yeah. He saw my day, and he was glad. So, I mean, you have, you have this beautiful, profound I choose to be sacrificed instead of Isaac to Abraham's delight. Mm-hmm. And what's the response? <laughs> 57. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? They bring up his age. Abra- you, you don't look like you're 2,000 years old, man. It's just... <laughs> It was so silly, it made me cough. It's just a a silly reaction. Suddenly they bring up age. Because again, remember, well, if someone's old, we better respect them more. You're not even 50 yet. What do you mean you've seen Abraham? And so then Jesus spells it all out. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, think about how profound a statement this is. Jesus is declaring to be the God of the Old Testament. He is I am. Unequivocally. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And before Abraham was, he is the one that called Abraham into being, called him out of out of back east, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Jesus is claiming to be God. That is a profound claim. Uh, what, what what's the thing about lunatic or madman or, or oh C.S. Lewis's liar yeah. lunatic uh, Lord liar lunatic right I, so so I mean this is one where where this is a pretty serious claim and he's either nuts a huckster or he's god I mean I mean this is laying it all out mm-hmm. do they pause to consider 
Uh, no. <laughs> Does it give them a moment's hesitation? None that the text would suggest. Read 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And here's the thing that I, I, I find so interesting. They are ready to stone him. They're going to take him out. Right there in the temple. In, in what I would think would be in full view of the uh, Roman station that was also up there and could see into the temple courts. Not sure about the place they were specifically at, but they're they're going full on, taking the law into our own hands. It's time to die. <laughs> and think about this too. Uh, what does a dead body do in terms of ritual cleanliness? Oh yeah, that's. I mean, if you were the the high priest, you weren't even supposed to be in the same room with a dead body ever. And they're in the temple, and they're ready to do what? To stone him. That's how mad they are. That would utterly defile the temple. So, I mean, it, it's just that the after effect of that should give them pause. Okay, wait, no, no. This is not a righteous and holy thing. You mm-hmm. don't go killing people in the temple. For sure. You drag them outside of the city and kill them. I mean, that, come on. That's just the way you do it. <laughs> and then Jesus hides himself. Just right out of them. The angry mob wants to take him out. It should be not a problem. That should be no contra. They can't even lay a hand on him. You'd think that would give them pause, too. Mm-hmm. He's just claimed to be God, and now he's gone, and we can't mess with him even when we wanted to. It doesn't. Why? They're of their father, the devil. They, they are caught up in murder and being man-killers and loving that which is false, hating the true. Kind of uh, build up that discussion, right? I mean, it's For kind of a sure. big, heavy thing. So. All right. Any any thoughts on chapter eight? I mean, certainly it's one of my, in my history with Unitarians, one of my favorite chapters out there, not only for the dialogue you get, but also for what I consider one of, out of several, the most unequivocal statements on Jesus's lips, you know, towards, towards deity and all that. Right. Good stuff. It, it's, there, there's no mincing of words. None whatsoever. It, it's just a, a, a wonderful directness. And, and the, the, the sad, terrible irony is Jesus is all over the place saying, look, I'm here to bring salvation and life. The thing is, you guys don't want it. You, you don't want my salvation. You don't want my life. You're, you're so caught up on who you are that you're ignoring who I am for you. Uh, one of the, the, the adages or think, sayings that I like is if you think you're just a little sinner, you're only going to want a little savior. Mm-hmm. These guys don't even think they're little sinners. We're children of Abraham, so they need no savior. Um, this is one of the reasons why, as Christians, we should not be afraid to to see our sin, to confront it, to confess it. Um, simply because, you know, th- there's a reason God's law needs to smack us upside the head, to, to remind us of our need for the savior. So, all right, that, that, that's my thoughts there. Cool. Okay. Well, chapter nine is where we're headed for next. So you ready right. for that? Yeah. Let's, let's, number nine, number nine, <laughs> number nine. All right. Let's go on. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? All right. Now note that, that John does kind of a hard transition here. Mm-hmm. You had Jesus in the temple and, and he disappears silently. 
And one of the things that John does is he's not trying to tell a chronological story. He's telling things topically. So this is sort of almost like saying, and there was another time where Jesus was wandering around with his disciples. And they see a man blind, born blind from birth. And the question is, the assumption, and this is playing off of the assumption that you saw in chapter 8. If the man was born blind, it had to be something wrong, something that he did, or God knew he was going to do, or something that his parents did. Because obviously, if there was something wrong, it must be something related directly to sin. There was the expectation of, of almost a, a tit-for-tat idea of, of sin in the ancient world. Uh, the, the, the technical term is correspondence. And it was a common idea, even all the way through the Middle Ages, where there would be something in a person that would demonstrate their vileness. So, so they expected that bad people would look ugly. So like a goatee. Right, or more than that. <laughs> or, or, or it would be disfigured, that, that, that an internal wickedness would have a, an external manifestation. And so the assumption is someone was wicked that this guy was born blind. Was it his parents or this guy? Can you explain the, uh, the way things work for Jesus? So, so let's move on to, to three. All right. Uh, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that, son is swatting my Bible, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. All right, and four, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now remember, what are the works of God? From uh, chapter five or six, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? Believe in him who he, whom he has sent. The point here isn't who, this, who sinned, whether it was this man or his parents. No, no, we're, we're going to be getting to faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. That's going to be the point. And why is he blind? So that folks will come to faith, including this fellow here. All right? All right. So, why? Because the daylight's here. Believe, because now the sun is present, the spirit is at work. Brah! Uh, for verse 5. As long six. as... Oh, oh, 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And this is an interesting approach that Jesus has to the healing. <clears throat> Remember, man is made of the dust of the ground. All right, I will take dust of the ground and I will restore this man. Go where you are sent to the pool of sent and, and wash anointing, washing, are, are you getting that whole baptismal overlay mm -hmm. type of stuff? Uh, baptism giving new life, taking the dead clay and making it living again? Oh. And he went and washed and came back seen. So you have this just, the, the healing comes sort of matter-of-factly. And then there's going to be wild and crazy reaction to it. Because again, in John, it's not just what Jesus does. It's the wild and crazy reaction that we learn from. Nice. Alright, All right. sounds good. Speaking of wild and crazy, coming up next, the Inquisition. That is wild and crazy as it gets. All right. Next to my son.
begins the Inquisition. The Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Here we go. We know you're wishing that we'd go away. But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay. And we're back, and we're to that part of the show that we call the Inquisition, where uh, Thomas and I put each other to the test, or you can also always jump on in, send us a question, put us to the test. But we answer questions. And so, Thomas, I'm going to ask you first, do you want to go first, or shall I go first? Uh, is that my question for the Inquisition? Or? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Nothing so easy. Um, uh, tell you what, you can ask me first. All right, time. here's my question. I hope it's not the same thing that you were thinking of. Um, a few weeks back, there was a slight hubbubaloo over how Starbucks was doing red cups instead of cups that said happy holidays. And every time of year this year, we'll get to people wringing their hands over the so-called war on Christmas. Mm-hmm. How should a Christian react, especially a young Christian, react to commercialization and Christmas and and happy holidays and all that random junk that comes along every year. What advice would you have for our listeners on how you navigate the Christmas season in the public square, in the world at large? Okay. What should you be upset about? What should you, shouldn't you be upset about? What, what should you do? What should you remember? Things like that. Sure. So I would not be upset, first of all, over what are perceived as slights by crazy people. Um, like, you know, cups and, and, uh, this whole saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, just FYI, holidays, root word, holy days. It's still, it's still in reference. Um, even if that's not the spirit behind it, because that's to me, even, even a bigger distraction from the actual matter at hand, which is what we celebrate as Christians every year at this time. And that's the birth of our savior, him coming in, being what we read in the beginning of John tabernacling among us being in flesh. And, um, and then of course, throughout the course of the church here, how we learn about what he did and his work. It's, it's the beginning. It's the, it's the, so to speak, the Genesis of the church year. But if target says happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, how can I properly be focused on the incarnation of my Lord? <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's a great question that brings that uh, to, I guess what I'm trying to say, which is, why should I care what Target has to say about anything? I, I don't understand why their ad campaigns dictate the uh, the importance or lack thereof of a given holiday in my own faith and whatnot. Here's the, uh, the, the, the cold, hard, cynical truth. Do you know why they have Christmas sales or holiday sales? Because they make money. Yeah, that's that's it. That, that, that's the whole point. It's not a matter of, this is a heartfelt expression of faith. We hope you have a happy celebration of the Lord's incarnation. No, it's, we hope you spend more money. Right. Ooh, try this. It's our holiday blood. Yay! So, <laughs> so saying it's a war on Christmas is sort of like, I don't know, expecting someone that should have never been defending something to jump on in. I, yeah. I don't expect the local, I don't know, the, the, I don't expect the rappers up in Chicago to like, you know, like proudly preach the gospel. So if they don't, why should I be 
upset. Right. So, all right. I don't expect Target to be preaching the gospel any time of the year. I expect them to be trying to make money. So, Which is their, I'm sure, their, their business uh, statement or, or whatever, mission Yay. statement thing. <laughs> okay. All right. So that actually, and just note to the listener, we do not uh, coordinate with each other with these questions will be beforehand. And so mine, weirdly oh. enough, ties in somewhat. Because I'm going to ask you, Pastor, you know, we hear Jesus say in the Gospels that uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, should we just eschew altogether the the task of obtaining money? Should we uh, work for free? What is our attitude to be concerning the gain of financial wealth? When we look at money, we look at at it as a tool to be used. Um, I just got my paycheck today. Woo! <laughs> um, that's a good thing. I, I'm glad I get paid. That what, what am I able to do because I am paid? Well, I, I'm able to give offering. I'm able to feed my family. I'm able to show charity and compassion. I'm able to go have fun. Mm -hmm. I'm able to, to delight in something. I, I'm able to buy a, a new pack from Target of the... the they, they've got these little five packs of uh, uh, wall clings for Star Wars stuff, so I've been buying mm -hmm. them. And, and they, I, I have a Yoda on mine at the office, and the, the, the preschool teacher has a, a Princess Leia one on her. Okay, it's silly. It's fun. It, it's a tool to be used for enjoyment of life. The, uh, the question, though, becomes, is money driving you to where your, your goal is to acquire money, or do you do what you do, and then money becomes a tool that is given to you by God that you use to accomplish other various vocations that he's given you? Um, Luther made a, an observation. Uh, money should not be our master. We should be the master of money. We should not be jumping through hoops to try to get money, but rather we should be able to look at our purse and say, come here, Mr. Golden. Come here, Mr. Dollar. I've got a task for you, and you're going to accomplish it. Um, one of the places where I bring this up is when it comes to offering. And here, all right, we're going to get Pastor Brown's advice time. <laughs> when it comes to, to setting a budget, when you're off on your own, the first thing you should do, set aside a specific amount, whether it's a percentage, whether it's an amount, you can go 10%, you can go for a round number, I, I don't care what it is. But set aside an amount and the first thing you do with your paycheck is you give that to the church for your offering. For the simple reason that it changes your attitude towards money when the first thing you do with it is give it away. One of the simplest ways to keep money from dominating you, from being your master, is by right away making it your servant, making it do what you want. Here, you're going over here to help someone else. Mm -hmm. So, no, go, go, go. Hey, if you can get paid to do something you enjoy, great. Take care of your responsibilities that you have. But look at, at money and wealth as a, a tool rather than the end, rather than the goal, the result. Uh, we are at my church on Sunday morning go through, going through Ecclesiastes. And the middle of Ecclesiastes is all about how the if your goal is to acquire wealth, it's just vain and silly better to understand that it's a tool that you can use and delight in it and it comes through your fingers and goes through just as quickly mm -hmm. easy, easy come easy go take what you've got and you put it to use so that work perfectly 
All right. That's not me asking for Christmas presents either. <laughs> go be nice to folks that you know. All right. Mean well, holiday presents. Seasons presents. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, all, all the terms can be used by the church. It's just funny how whenever they try to make things generic, it, it really kind of plays into stuff theological, but that's neither here nor there. That, that's for a different inquisition. All right. Let's dive back into John 9 and, and get a little bit more in. We've just had the, uh, the man who was blind from birth, and Jesus said, all right, here's some mud. Go wash yourself. Hey, I washed myself, and now I can see. All right. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. All right. So suddenly you have the guy heal and like, No, oh, that can't be old blind Chuck. <laughs> no, well, it kind of looks like him, but I don't think he can be because he can see. No, 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 guys, seriously, it, it's me. Yeah, I, I can see now. Nice. So it's just kind of funny how you have this, like, okay, this is weird. What's going on here, man? <laughs> and note how Jesus is out of the picture. He, 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 he goes, he heals the guy and just keeps wandering on and on. Guy goes and gets healed and comes back. It's like, oh, man, what, what's going on now? This is kind of weird. I wasn't expecting this to happen. So, all right, carry on. Ten. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. (laughs) I do love this. I think that's kind of funny. You got healed? Well, yeah. Well, where's the guy who healed you? I don't know. I mean, I I was off washing my eyes. I I couldn't see him when I left. I mean, come on. I was blind. and, 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 okay, yeah, now I can see him. When I got back to where I was, he was gone. I... Don't blame the blind man for not keeping tabs on the guy who healed him. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, the scene thing is kind of a new deal for me. I mean, I couldn't even tell you what he looked like because when we were talking, I was blind. <laughs> so I, it, it really is kind of comical. For it's sure. almost Keystone Copish. So, all right, let's carry on. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. No, that's funny. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put some mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Oh, take the next verse. Take the next verse. It's worth it. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a saint, oh, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So, so, all right, we'll take him to the Pharisees. They'll know what to do, because they're the good folks. For sure. Wait, how did you get healed today? Well, the guy told me to wash, and I washed, and now I can see. Dude, it's a Sabbath. What were you doing? <laughs> you should have waited till sundown and then gone and washed. This is terrible. I can't believe. I can't believe that Jesus told you to go wash yourself on a Sabbath day and be healed. That's just horrible. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. No, no. If he's healing, guys, this is pretty kind of cool, so maybe we should, like, let him do it. I mean, maybe it's just, like, a, a holy quirk. Holy, holy guys can have quirks. You yeah. have the debate again over, not over whether or not Jesus healed the guy, but whether or not Jesus is an evil jerk for healing him on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Just odd. Mm-hmm. And so, again, they said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. 
Well, sure, you'll say that. I mean, you were the. <laughs> but but do you see how that kind of works? They've got that that they they're arguing back and forth, and one of them finally says, "Well, what do you think, dude? Who was blind but now can see?" Um, yeah, I, I, I'm leaning towards he's a prophet. I, I'm not gonna bite the hand that gave me sight. I, mm-hmm. I, I I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And we get more controversy in the next sentence. Uh, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? The parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. Now note, remember the very start of this. The disciples asked, Who sinned, this man or his parents? So remember, the parents are already going to be edgy because half the people are going to think that they're probably gross, vile sinners who need to be thrown out. True. Now there's weird stuff. Hey, hey, he's old. He's not our problem. This is all on him. Uh, just let him be. Oh. Do, do, do you get a sense of the, the fear that's going on? Mm-hmm. To where the parents can't just unabashedly rejoice that their blind son can see. They're still, they, they, there's such fear going on, such hatred, that they've got to play the game of cover their own backside. And, and that's just, it, it, it's, it, it shows how twisted and wicked the, the silly games that humans play are. Instead of rejoicing in the good that Christ has done and the mercy, the forgiveness he shows, we still want to play our pecking order games. So, well, next time when we get back, the, the guy will come in and talk a little bit more about Jesus and maybe give some folks what for. And uh, we'll get on to that. So. Sounds good. So right. have a good Thanksgiving, unless it's already passed. I'm not sure when this episode will be able to, to go up. but have a, have a good first week in Advent then? Yeah, that'll work. All right, cool beans. We'll see you guys later. Excuse <laughs> me.